come with me into the tormented, haunted, half-lit night of the insane. This is my work. Let me lead you into it. Let me take you into the mind of a woman who is mad. Hi, and welcome to Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, a good ghoul's guide to horror. I'm your poultry guide, Kinsey. I'm your poultry guide, Donna. I'm your poultry guide, Debbie. I'm your poultry guide, Adrian, and that was very unorganized. <laughs> it's been a while since we were all here to record, so it is exciting that we are all here. Indeed. All right. Well, so this week we have watched the Netflix film Fear Street 1994, which is the first part in a three-part series. Um, so let's go around. Did you like it? Did you not like it? And yeah. Um, I watched this movie twice. I watched it a week ago um, because <laughs> we were supposed to record last week and, and we did. Um, so I it's watched my it fault. A week ago. It's, it's a, there's a lot of fault. Um, <laughs> a week ago, I would have said I was pretty mad about this movie. Um, I didn't have strong feelings about it. I didn't have strong feelings about it one way or the other. Um, then I watched it again last night and I liked it a lot more when I watched it the second time. So um, yeah, I enjoyed this movie. Um, I do think there's a mess. I, I, I am just not in the age range to have experienced R.L. Stein. I don't think I've ever read an R.L. Stein. I know R.L. Stein exists in the world, but not in my world. So I think I missed the nostalgia of it, but I'm done. I, I am, I'm kind of on the fence about it right now. Um, I'm going to say I didn't like most of it, um, but I felt like the ending hit pretty good. Um, and that's all I'll say for now. All right. I loved this movie. <laughs> I loved it so much. It was almost everything I wanted it to be. That makes me happy. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. Adrian doesn't hate everything. I know it's weird. <laughs> I, that wasn't what I was going for with that, but also that. Yeah. It's going to be a weird podcast, guys. Weird episode. We're in the upside down. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> no. Uh, so I actually, I, I really like this film too. Uh, Shit, guys. Not only do I not hate it, but also Kinsey and I agree. Kinsey agrees. Yeah. <laughs> we are on the same page. It, it must be the end times. <laughs> yeah no i i really like this film it you know it it had a lot of 90s nostalgia to it and i you know i read i was more christopher pike than rl stein but i still read rl stein i still in that wheelhouse um but yeah it it did what i wanted it to do and it just was oh man it was fun donna i can't remember have you seen scream yeah Okay. All right. So are we going to talk about the opening and how, I, how very scream like it is? Weird. Yeah. Weird. Because I just, I'm so sorry. I've been so excited to talk about this in particular. Um, <laughs> because the like, first off, the they've got the wrong number book, which is a reference to not a reference. It is an R.L. Stein Fear Street book about prank calls. And then they have. Should we get through our intro first? Oh shit. It is all right. It is all right. <laughs> you you are excited and I'm loving the energy you are bringing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll just, we will pause that. Uh, we'll so, it. 
seriously though guys go watch this first part because it's a lot of fun but those of you that don't know what it's about um our good good buddies at imdb is going to let you know this movie is actually here to show us that despite movies made in the 90s that people with pigments exist and people who don't fit into a gender binary exist and, and also lesbians exist true yeah they did not they did not exist in the 90s these are true truths <laughs> <laughs> um they're going i agree with what you're saying donna i i do uh imdb is not so i'm just going to point that out right now for the start but they're going to tell us a circle of teenage friends accidentally encounter the ancient evil responsible for a series of brutal murders that have plagued their town over the years welcome to shady side start with friends let's start with ancient <laughs> <laughs> oh, but like like gosh. like rome is ancient <laughs> the witch trials are like a couple hundred 200, years ago yeah, yeah. Like, like we need to discuss the definition of ancient here uh they have a broad a broad spectrum of ancients oh but also yeah friends like like why it's vintage i like the the vintage trials a vintage evil retro retro evil vintage evil i'm for this yeah i like i like all of these uh classifications um also friends yeah like it feels like i don't know why do we not have a word for a group of people who are only hanging out together because they have to that feels germany help me out i'm sure you have a word for this <laughs> I feel like Germany or Japan, maybe Finland. There's something. I mean, yeah, Dina and Simon and Katie were friends. And then there was Nerd Boy and Josh and uh, uh, Sam. So um, I'm not sure they were all friends. I think that Sam used to be their friend. Okay, fair. Yeah. Also, we've got... We've got stuff like what Adrian's excited about to talk about, so we won't quibble over the word friends anymore. Yeah, so I think that should be our first point to discuss is that uh, that that feeling like scream. That, that- oh man, it's so good. So they've got the wrong number book, and then they've got Maya fucking Hawk, who is just super recognizable because of um, Stranger Things, right? And so immediately she feels like the main character the exact same way that drew barrymore did and they've got her answering the phone call and and i I think they even have him like drag her body like it's such in my opinion like i'm sure that there are like the there's always she was so close to being safe and she was so close to being saved yes by a security guard who or cop who is not a, not a security guard a cop who is super important in the scream movies but i love i know i love it so much and you, you're always going to have people arguing over like homage or ripping off but this to me felt like a really really wonderful homage yeah i agree yeah and i think i think and maya hawk does feel i mean i i agree 100 she fills that drew barrymore role because it's like you know her you're comfortable with her like you said she's gonna be this is who this is about and even and when she gets caught like that is a a scream homage to her death like just that grab and just how it happens and oh mm-hmm. yeah 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 i'm i'm here for all of it 
It's yeah, it's so so good. Um, I'm about to jump to another topic. I'm like manic about this movie right now. <laughs> can, can I, before you before you do, can we stick with the intro and B Dalton's? Oh my god! Yes, B Dalton's. I remember going to the mall and like wandering around B Dalton's. Like that was like heavy fucking nostalgia right there. I have there no was, idea what B Dalton's is. Oh my Debbie. Did you it's not have a malls? Store that doesn't exist. Muskogee has malls. But they um, were, did we have a B Dalton's? We might not have. Yeah, okay. You that may be fair. We may not have had a B Dalton's. There was like B Dalton and Walden books. That's the other one. And you often had them in the same mall, but like one on this side of the mall and one on this side of the mall. We did and, have Walden books. Yeah. And so like B Dalton was the <sighs> hipper version was it like walden books always felt a little bit and i say this as a huge book nerd so i need people to understand that i don't mean any like disrespect by this walden books always to me felt a little bit stuffier than b dalton like you weren't going to find as many trashy books at walden books as you could at b dalton you were going to like b dalton was going to be more likely to have your vc andrews and your christopher pike and your rl stein than walden books was Walton Books always felt like it was shooting for a demographic that was like 10 years older. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, and there was a, a uh, there was insomnia, Stephen King's insomnia in the background of one of the shots, which is one of my least favorite of his books. But still, but it came out very, in 94. But it's a very recognizable cover and it was there. And absolutely, it would have been prominently featured at a Beatles. So, Donna, you said you did not read the Fear Street books. Kinsey and Adrian, did you guys read? Yeah. I, I read a couple of them. Like I said, I, my R.L. Stein was reading was real spotty, where, mm-hmm. but Christopher Pike was like, please back that shit up, you know? I, I read Goosebumps and I read Fear Street. Often simultaneously. I read Christopher mm-hmm. Pike too. Um, I remember there were a couple of our like Fear Street books and Christopher, maybe, yeah, like Fear Street specials where they didn't really take place on Fear Street, but they like had Fear Street characters. Yeah. Like there was, there was one where they like went to Hawaii or something. And I read it at the same time as I was reading a book that took place, a Christopher Pike book that take, took place in California. I might be mixing these two up because the thing is, is that they were both, they both had surfers and like beach sides in them. And so even as I was reading them, I could not keep the plot straight because for some reason I was reading them simultaneously, like read a few chapters here, go over to this book and read a few chapters here. Yeah. Now, um, my, now my brother read all the goosebump books. Like he mm-hmm. had a shelf in his room and it was just like, Oh, you want return to Horrorland? Oh, you're looking for this one yeah like return to horror land yeah. yeah like that was like i remember like that visual of his little goosebump shelf like is like seared in my brain i read goosebumps um like i think i was in like sixth grade when i came across those and i don't remember if it was at the same time but there at some point was on nickelodeon a goosebumps show i think kind of um, a, are you afraid of the dark anthology type series yeah 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 and i remember reading that series and watching it and my parents were like you cannot you can read goosebumps but you can't read fear street um because they were scarier and so of course what i did was just check them out at school and just kept them at school you know here and there i would read one and they were like they scared me they freaked me out and i think that was that was part of what i was hoping this movie would be would be like a legit scare me movie and i wasn't scared and so I think part of it for me was the nostalgia expectation and then 
you know, got was, was not quite what I was expecting. So I try to keep my expectations in check. Like generally I'm like, this is probably going to disappoint me. And so that way I always get to be excited <laughs> if it mm-hmm. doesn't. I, I think I was slightly out of the age range for Goosebumps. I remember when the very first one came out and I saw it in those little paper book things that they would send home. Yeah, yeah, Scholastic. The book orders. Yeah, the Scholastic book orders. And and I ordered the very first Goosebumps book. Welcome to, oh shit, I don't remember what it was called. But I remember staying up all night to finish reading it because it scared me so much. (laughs) Um, Welcome to Dead House, which came out in July of 1992. So I must have gotten that at the beginning of the school year. And uh, yeah. But Fear Street was my preferred. Like, like I let, uh, between Goosebumps and Fear Street, I preferred Fear Street because they were thicker and scarier. And yeah. between Christopher Pike and R.L. Stein, I also remember preferring Christopher Pike because I always felt like R.L. Stein, Christopher Pike had more angst. And a lot of his horror was angst driven. Like um, the one about the, pe- the kids who like, go out of town to help one girl get an abortion. And then when they get back into town, the whole town is empty. And then they are like going through this whole like nightmare fucking day. um, That is full of all of the ways that they tormented this other, all of the ways that they bullied this other character. And like, Oh, I fucking love that book. And then Christopher Pike also had road to nowhere, which was all fueled by like the suicidal angst of the main character and it had poppy poppy corn and free jack who were like the angel and devil on her shoulder as she traveled spoiler alert through to the underworld and had to decide if she was going to face her pain and live her life or just give into it and like so christopher pike always had that angst that was driving it while fear street always had a lot more of like the classic horror movie tropes so that first christopher pike book you read scared the shit out of me when I read it, I think I was, oh, in, it was terrifying. I, I was either in seventh or eighth grade and I had borrowed it uh, from my, a friend of mine. Cause we would always do that. We'd like swap books. And I, and she had that book. She's like, no, you got to read this so we can talk about it. And I read it like so fast and it scared the shit out of me. Like I remember just being like, I need to, I have to stop reading, but I can't stop reading. And it just, Oh yeah. And to me, when it comes between the two of them, Christopher Pike wasn't afraid to kill kids where R.L. Stein would kind of pull back just a little bit, not like a ton, but just, you know, like, Ooh, we won't go right there. If like, honestly, this, this movie felt a little bit closer to Christopher Pike than R.L. Stein, because you're right. I don't remember a lot of like deaths of main characters happening in R.L. Stein books. So welcome to our R.L. Stein, Christopher Pike podcast. (laughs) There's actually a podcast called Teen Creeps, if you guys want to check that out. And they do a lot of R.L. Stein and Christopher Pike. They read old, um, nice, old, like, teen pulp novels. Nice. So um, I would dearly love to talk about Simon. Yes, please. Oh, my God. I I, obviously we're in spoiler territory now, right? Oh, yeah. 100% spoiler Um, territory. Obviously, he's dead, but I would fucking die for Simon. Oh, my God. I love him. And I'm about to go off on a thing. I'm sorry, Donna. You talk. I'm just. No, that that is that is fine. I Actually, I tell you what. I love that Simon is absolutely not pigeonholed 
in any way at all. You would say he looks like your typical high school fuck up. Well, he's employee of the month at his at his grocery store for every, like the last year. Every fucking month. I think there were more than 12 there. Yeah. And um, he looks like just kind of your hippie surfer dude, but he's wearing nail polish and he does not seem to appear to care what the hell he wears. He was perfectly happy in that bright blue cardigan. Um, he's, I just. He spends so much of the movie with that sweater, like off of his shoulder. Yeah. But, but at the same time, he then didn't seem to worry about wearing a t-shirt that had blood on it two days in a row. He was fine with that. I just, I love him because he is not, there is no stereotype to Simon at all. He reads as very gay and he's so incredibly heterosexual and, or maybe not. I don't know. I guess I'm putting more labels on him than perhaps he would prefer, but no, I love that character. I love him so much. He's I kind just, of wish he wasn't a drug dealer, but you know, they sort of, I think they do a really good job of establishing that shady side doesn't have a lot of options. He's employee of the month, but they also say that he's been taking care of his entire family since he was 15 so like he's got he needs a lot of money he like if he's the primary breadwinner for his entire family we don't actually know how big it is but we have i i feel like we have to assume he has siblings he has at least one because his brother had an overdose that's right yeah so and um and he even talks about working a double shift that's the whole reason he didn't change shirts he's mm -hmm. like yeah i had to work a double shift and so yeah, you learned so much about Simon without a lot of dialogue and it's it's fantastic. Yeah, he oh, he's such a great character. And like I really really appreciate the way that a lot of these movies are diversify a lot of these movies and media are like diversifying the past. Um I feel like it would have been very easy to put a character like Simon in this and then throw a lot of uh slurs at him. And they don't do that. And while it there's an argument to be made that that's not accurate, I appreciate it anyway. I actually was thinking that on my second watch of this, that the F word, and I don't mean fuck, I'll say fuck. The F word was not <laughs> mentioned in this, in this movie at all, which in a movie actually made in the 90s, it would have been all through there. It's in fucking Bill and Ted's. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent adventure. Like it would have, it's, I think it's in the Goonies. Like it's in kids' movies. I actually think Simon may be ace because he seemed to have no particular, maybe he just doesn't have the energy to go chasing anybody, but he did not seem romantically interested or sexually interested in anybody. Himself. Yeah. Well, himself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he's a narcissist, not, a, not an ace. So, he's a narcissist. No. <laughs> well, also, that scene when they had him in front of the mirror, I was like, is this a Silence of the Lambs homage right here? Because he looked very, like his movements and everything were very Buffalo Bill. Uh huh. I mean, he was enjoying looking at himself for sure. He's pretty. He's a, he's he a pretty little guy. Yeah. Yeah. How old is he? Am I allowed to say he's pretty? <laughs> I, I bet you he's. 28 or 30 because why would you have a high school student play a high school well, right we don't do that here <laughs> um let's see simon is played by simon why are you not higher on this cast list honestly you should, you should be at the top what the fuck imdb what is with your new layout i just need to know how old this boy is oh imdb has stopped telling people's ages hang on what's the actor's name uh 
you know what? It's Fred something. I'm just going to. Fred something. Okay. There's a lot of consonants in there that I'm not going to fuck with. Oh, my God. <laughs> he was born in 1999. He's 22. So, okay. okay. But holy shit. Oh, no way. Okay. He's 21 because he was born in December of 1999. Okay. But you get, you get, you get to say he's pretty. Yeah. Yeah. His IMDb picture looks nothing like him in the movie. Like, right? I don't recognize this person. <laughs> it is, yeah, that that must be a 15-year-old Fred. Fred Hishinger. Fred Hishinger. Yeah, he's 21 look, years old. If you look up images, he looks more like Simon. And his mm-hmm. grandfather, oh, worked at the New York Times. He, he had a link to his name, so I assumed his, his grandfather was somebody famous. Right. It was very difficult to look up anything about this movie because as soon as I tried to, it was like spoilers for the other movies. So I'm try- I tried. I was just like, all right, I can't look up anything for this. Yeah. <laughs> um, they did have slurs towards Dina and Sam, the yes. two lesbians, but not, but not the F word. But not the F word, and not a lot. Mm-hmm. And the the one person who did was. Um, most definitely a bad guy. I really enjoyed the way that they had that opening, that school montage where they switched music for each character. Um, oh, is that what they were doing? Because I was like, why are they cycling through this playlist so fast? Like They were switching the music for, for each character, tailoring the okay. soundtrack to the character. Um, at first, I was really like... Continue with that. Yeah, I, at first I thought what they were going to do was like play Machine Head, and then when he saw the when Josh saw Kate, they were going to switch into the Crush love song, and then they were going to switch back to Machine Head when Josh finished passing her in the hallway. But they didn't, and so then I was like, "The fuck are they doing with this music? That's weird." And I did not like it until it got to Dina. I think I don't. And then it, it like by the, when it switched to the fourth character, then I was like, "Oh, I see what's happening." And then I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, however, not all of this music was available in 1994. I'm pretty sure that Only Happy When It Rains came out in 95 or 96. Machine Head was technically on their album, but most people would not have heard it because it wasn't released as a single until much later. And that was a bigger deal in the 90s. (laughs) Because you heard, but I wonder with Machine Head if that also wasn't deliberate. Because if you remember late 90s horror films, they played the shit out of that song in trailers. Yeah. That, I, well, I mean, Bush was a staple for horror movies. Yeah, they were. But I wonder um, if that wasn't almost a little bit deliberate and not, I don't want to say a dig at 90s horror, but just a homage. Hey, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not going to quibble too much with Machine Head because it did exist, just not, most people wouldn't have heard it. I really feel very strongly that Only Happy When It Rains was not out then. Um, there were a couple of other songs that I was like, mm, I don't know, movie, I think you're getting a little anachronistic here with your soundtrack, but I'm not really mad about it uh, because the soundtrack was so very perfectly 90s. Like, I was like, yes, this is high school. But I didn't go to high school in 1994, which is why I don't think some of these songs were out then, because I didn't start high school until 1996. And Garbage was definitely a high school band for me. And I had their first album. Yeah. As someone in high school in 94. Yeah, that is 
Ooh, that was a lot in my wheelhouse. A lot. Yeah, garbage, I can't remember. I know it was later when I was in high school when they hit. So, yeah. But like you said, I'm not mad at them for it. And No, like, yeah, the soundtrack was great. And and I, I don't mind anachronisms if it makes things more fun. All right. So what else we got? I thought they, well, and I guess based on the the titles of the movies they're they're kind of doing the whole going backwards thing to to the 1666 but i i think part of what what i was waiting for to happen in this movie was was more towards the front for them to kind of explain the history of the town and where it started and sarah fear and kind of how like you know her name was f-i-e-r but people would uh because of the you know stigma related to it at that point they would cross it out all the time and and write over it fear f-e-a-r um to kind of i guess nod at all the horror stuff that was going on on fear street and all the characters lived on fear street and it was like the street that was cursed you know as far as like that's well maybe it was the town i don't know i I could be misremembering but i've i felt like they didn't talk enough about the fact that this is called fear street for a reason i could be wrong but i seem to remember that that's actually the way that it goes in the books too that the books start and you don't find out why it's called fear street until a later book you know it's called fear street and they might even call out the different spellings in the books but Mm -hmm. it doesn't delve into any of the history until five or six books in again i could be misremembering it's been a long time since middle school man Um, but, uh, it feels like they're following a similar plot line, not plot line, but plot points structure. to structure, structure. That's the word plot structure as the books. Got you. Well, and you know, again, I didn't read very many fear streets because I was not allowed to. Um, and so, and the ones I did read were just kind of hit and miss, not in any kind of order. Um, I do remember there sometimes being like, like a little scene at the beginning of the book that was like set in the past. Yeah. Uh, I remember that too. Jump forward to the current. Yeah. And so I think that, that may be what I was remembering kind of um, was, was something like that, but. It, um, yeah. It, the, uh, I, it, buying books back then was hard because you only knew when books came out, if the bookstore had a sign, like sometimes the back of the book might say coming in June, 1997 or something like that. But like, we didn't have the internet. We weren't following any of the authors on Twitter. Like, I don't know how I found out about new books unless they were really huge and like Stephen King and they would be in the newspaper or something. Um, But all of my all of my fear street and Christopher Pike were really just like, go to the bookstore, see if there's something there. I don't have. Yeah. Shop shopping at B Dalton's man. Mm -hmm. Shopping at B Dalton's. Um, I want to, if everybody has a pause, I want to talk about something a little bit more serious real quick. Okay. Um, and that is, so one of the things, sorry, I'll, my voice is all cracking. Thanks hormones. This is fun. Um, one of the things that is a problem, and I'm putting air quotes around here, when you start put bringing more diversity into particularly horror movies, is that there's no real way to not kill off your gays or your black characters or your bitchy female characters. And so 
one of the things that I think this movie does really, really well is it puts a lot of complexity and depth into its main characters. Um, like Kate's a bitch, but uh, she's a bitch with depth. <laughs> and so you get to her death scene and I don't really want to see her die anymore, but by the internal logic of horror movies, she needs to <laughs> like, she was the first one. She was willing to kill Sarah, Sarah, Sam, Sam. Sam. She was willing to kill Sam to save herself, which also during that scene, I couldn't help thinking, couldn't Kate just go home? Yeah, <laughs> like, Kate do they need, home. do they need to put Sarah and do they need to sacrifice Sarah or can Kate just go home? I think like, we had pretty, pretty fast. What's the word I'm waiting for? Firmly, pretty firmly established that the killers only cared about Sam. So, yeah, like even to the point that Kate was standing after their plan with the blood trails leading to the bathroom, Kate was standing right there and the killers walked past her. So, couldn't Kate have just like stood up against a wall if the killers came in and let them not kill her and then just gone home? So, really, was there any reason? <laughs> <laughs> to shove Sam out into the hall and get her murdered. If Kate could just be like, hey, I'm a conscientious objector and I, I back away from this fight. Um, yeah. But no, she choose to be the bitchiest. Can I, okay, I got to just throw out one, the, the one thing that I really, really, <laughs> okay, listen, something that is designed to cut bread is oh. not going to be even a little bit interested in your skull. You're wrong, because that is one thing I looked up is every like the, everybody on set was like a bread slicer is not going to cut through a head. And the director was like, we're going to do it. And everybody was like, the bread slicer is not going to do it. This is unrealistic. And so they got a fucking watermelon and they were like, this isn't going to work. And I understand that a watermelon doesn't have a skull in it, Donna, but it's a horror movie. Just let it happen. So they got a watermelon and everybody was like, this watermelon's not going to go through the bread slicer. And it did. And everybody on set cheered because they all thought it wasn't going to work. And so they let her have it because the watermelon went through the bread slicer. Don't talk to me about skulls. It's fine. Bones did not seem to be an issue for anything in this movie. Let's not start with the bread slicer. By the logic of zombie movies, I guess skulls are about about the same toughness as a watermelon. So, sure. Dude, they were stabbing <laughs> through they were stabbing through sternums like there was no bone there. So, like it's fine. Bones are softer in this world. I mean, uh, I will Donna but I will let you go into your science corner because you do want to go into your science corner. I hear it in your voice. You're, you're edging over there. You're edging over there and I'm, I'm here for it. And I'm going to go ahead and lead you over to your science corner and pose the question. Why would you give adrenaline to a drowning victim? Um, it, um, adrenaline does stimulate the heart to beat. Okay. So um, that was not a completely unreasonable thing to do. And she did have quite a bit of drugs in her system at that point already. Uh, so adrenaline eh, didn't hurt for sure, but um, the CPR probably helped better. And maybe maybe just get the fluid out of her lungs. That would be right. Awesome. I was like, if she if she if her heart starts beating, she can't breathe because there's a fish tank in her lungs now. You guys, these are high schoolers <laughs> at a level of panic that most of us have never achieved. <laughs> no, and I, I I agree. I just. 
Donna was inching toward the science <laughs> corner, and I wanted and I wanted to let Doctor Donna get in the science corner. Like I, I wanted I, to question. I, it was a good question. I wanted to know the answer to that as well. Is is six epipens too many? Um, I don't know the answer to that question because one, I don't know what the dose of adrenaline in a um, epipen is, and two, I don't know what the lethal dose would be for a human. So I don't know. That's a lot. That's though. fair. That's that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like too many, doesn't it? <laughs> it, feel, it feels like maybe maybe we could have stopped it too that was something talking about the bread slicing scene that was for me there were there were several times through the movie where i was like okay what what are they going for here because sometimes it really felt like a you know this is geared for young teenagers type movies and then it like dialed up to 11 on the gore like with the bread slicing scene i was just like oh my god i wasn't expecting that you know i knew people were gonna have to die at some point but i was like holy cow that was really Um, and maybe just because it's been because I haven't seen horror movies in a while Um, but (laughs) I I was just like Uh, and it seemed to kind of go a little bit back and forth on the tone of that I think actually I I agree with you on that Um, I think I expected a lower level of gore because this was Fear Street not Christopher Pike and I found her death to be really, really shocking. Like I legitimately thought because this is Fear Street that Kate and Simon would both make it to the end. Um, I think that probably the gore level on her death was meant to kind of be reminiscent of um, the garage door scene in Scream. Oh, you think we're still doing homages? Yeah, like, I mean, it's not the same kind of death, but it's the same level of, like, holy shit, is what I think happening really happening right now? Yeah. Because um, I cannot for the life of me remember the actor's name or that character's name in Scream. But when she goes up in the garage door, it's slow. It feels like she might have a chance of getting out, and it is gory AF. Rose McGowan's the actress. Rose McGowan, thank you. You're welcome. Mm. I'm sitting there, I was like, I can't remember her name, her character's name, but I can remember her. My brain kept delivering Tanning Chatham, and I was like, okay, one, that's not even a girl. And so then my brain was like, oh, right, right, Parker Posey. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Where does that even come from? (laughs) Um, Like that you said Tanning Chatham just now. (laughs) I know, right? Fuck my tongue. (laughs) (laughs) We all knew who Adrian meant. Yes. Well, I just so, think it's funny because, like, I know Kinsey. What's what's your name for um, Tanning Chatham? Uh, charming, uh, charming Tater. Charming Tater. <laughs> <laughs> That's adorable. Oh and like, I feel like I would immediately know who you're talking about. See, um, I so jumping back to this and the characters and Kate and, and Simon, I I do understand what you're saying with uh, doing the doing diversity in the cast but i also think they did a very good job of making their deaths matter that they weren't throwaways that these weren't throwaway kills like this like you 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 care about these people you care about them and you know and you're and you're right because you're like okay we're at the end this is they're gonna be okay and they're not yeah Yeah. i really thought she was going towards that thing i was like thinking she's gonna get out of it she's gonna get out of it somebody's gonna come save her um and then it did not happen. Yeah, yeah. It felt she felt very savable. Um, like I, I do. I even like how Josh at the end like gives them a little eulogy, and even the cop, even the cop doesn't really believe that they did it. 
he's like, this looks convincing. And I understand that this looks convincing. Do you really want them to take the fall for it? And Dina's just like, no, but they're dead. <laughs> and, um, oh yeah. So my, <laughs> like, it's really good. It's just, uh, it's, it's just a really good scene, but like, you know, it sucks that they went off and they killed the gender non-conforming boy and the bitchy girl, because like, those are characters that die a lot in these movies. But when you are looking at the cast that you have, your only other options were one of the lesbians or both of the lesbians or the black nerd. And so there's nobody in this cast that you can kill without falling into a trope. And honestly, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I was about to say, maybe that's the only way to get out of the tropes. <laughs> yeah. I remember in The Magicians, there was a big hubbub when they killed off a character. I will try not to be spoilery an, here. An, an important character. An important character. And everybody was really angry that they killed off this, like, confirmed bisexual character, like, confirmed bisexual mentally ill character. And it was like, well, you don't have anybody in this show that's not falling into a trope. Like, like, the defo gay, we've got the, the bitch, we've got the uh, Indian, um, mm-hmm. India, Indian. Um, who am I missing? I don't know if when you say bitch, you're, I, like, I, I legitimately am not sure which of the two female Margo. characters. Mar- Margo. Margo's the bitch. I wasn't sure if Alice was. Um, Alice, no, you know, Alice isn't a bitch. Alice is a very nervous um neurotic um driven mentally ill young lady yeah 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 so there's 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 nobody in the cast that you can kill off without falling into a trope and i i think it's progress that we have no choice but to kill our our marginalized characters please Um, nobody ever take that quote out of context (laughs) oh um okay i have a question all right what what age is Fear Street intended? Is this a high school student? Yeah, yeah. it's it, they're why they're YA. <laughs> These are some serious. T- I mean that that whole um, let's kill ourselves with a drug overdose. Okay, that's some serious stuff. Let me take you over to book corner, book genre corner. Um, first off, wow, Donna, you don't know what happens in YA books because <laughs> let me tell you, they are fucking dark um we meant you know kinsey and i talked a little bit about that christopher pike book earlier let me let me tell you a little bit more about this christopher pike book two of these characters had left town to go get one of them a fucking abortion donna a secret abortion um early 90s early 90s yeah yeah this is the early 90s um at one point one of the characters I can't remember if he gets shot in the dick or if he's the one that's forced to walk on that fence until he literally like cuts him in half because he raped her. He raped the like antagonist of this book. Okay. Um, the, the road to nowhere book is literally, this is a huge spoiler for road to nowhere. It's a twist at the end, but this book is like 20 years old. So fucking deal with it. In Road to Nowhere by Christopher Pike, the entire plot of the book is that this girl has slit her wrists and does not realize that throughout the, 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 the plot of this book, she is in her bathtub dying. But she's like, she believes she has left her house 
and is driving somewhere and she doesn't know where and has picked up these two hitchhikers. And these two hitchhikers are trying to explain to her what she's done and force her to make a choice about whether or not she's going to just lay down and die or make a better decision. Um, I remember reading a book called The Shadow Girl in middle school and I think it was YA, but there was a whole scene and this book like still affects me to this day about only whores wear blue eyeshadow and talking very much in depth about the bulge in boys pants and what it means they want. Now, let me tell you why all of this exists in YA. YA as a genre is based nearly 100% on the age of the characters in the book not the content of the book at all. Middle grade and lower will have more to do with the content. It's also a lot the age of the characters. But YA is almost entirely how old are these characters. If they are high school age, then it was counted as YA. There are some weird fucking things that happen. For instance, a lot of Stephen King is considered adult fiction. And I consider that to be misogyny because that happens a lot. There are a lot of male writers that will get their books, air quotes, elevated out of YA because they are, because of no reason that I can find other than the fact that the author is male. Verified male, not just using a male pseudonym, but Uh verified male. Right. Um. There are also a lot of female authors that will have their books about older characters shoved into YA, like Rainbow Rowell writing Fangirl, which is about college age characters, gets pushed down into YA. Mm -hmm. I assume because it deals with fan fiction and because it's about girls and written by, it's about women. It's about college fucking women written by a woman. Um, So there's some weird misogyny that happens there. In my opinion, it's misogyny. I have more references for that if anybody wants to argue with me about it on twitter but i'm also very liberal with my block button so choose your words wisely um but yeah ya like there are books about like there's a ellen hopkins basically exclusively writes books about like drug addicts and underage trafficked children (laughs) and uh vc andrews who wrote incest books um and also if you've never read my sweet audrina holy fuck like that book is about a girl who was raped at nine mm. on a fucking grave on a grave in a graveyard. Okay. So I, I, I retract my I retract my comment. I am convinced. Yeah. So like YA books are, in my opinion, much fucking darker than most of the adult fiction you will find. What else do we have? Should we wrap up? I have one. I have two little things. One. Uh, just jumping back to the director, you know, how she wanted the bread slicer. She also pushed very hard at Netflix that this series would be rated R. Like she wasn't, she was like, no, I want, I want the violence. I want like, these are horror films. We're not dialing it back. And she, she pushed and she advocated for that. So I thought that was for her. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. Uh, The other thing. So I'm going we should probably say her name. Uh, we should say her name. That is a... Ex- it's, it's, it's Lee Janiak. I just, I want to apologize to everybody who has a last name for my inability to say any of these. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this next point that I'm going to bring up, this is 100% uh, coming from our editor, Billy, because he pointed this out because I wouldn't have, uh, uh, definitely wouldn't have pointed this out. So the font 
that was being used on the- yes, that's, thank you. That's another anachronistic thing. Yeah. So the font that is being used when he's in the chat room, the, the Calabria regular font, uh, it wasn't Libri. Libri, thank you. It wasn't the default font in 94. It actually was created in like 2002, 2004, kind of in that area. The public did not have access to that font. It was not the default until Microsoft Office of 2007. Yeah, I believe it was Times, actually, that was the default back then, or possibly Arial or Helvetica. Not Helvetica. Helvetica was, it wasn't Helvetica because Helvetica was only Apple products, I think, actually. I'm thinking Arial. Um, I could be wrong, but I think Arial. I wondered, because that was featured actually so clearly, like Calibri was shown so obviously on that (laughs) chat window. I'm like, is this a clue? Are you yeah. telling me something with the fact that this font wasn't released then? And it yeah, made me it was, wonder about the music more too. Like, are these anachronisms on purpose or is it just? I had the same thought about, you know, you didn't even have to put that there. That was not necessary for that to be there. So why are you showing me so prominently that it's Calibri? It, I actually had a similar thought. Like, what what is the significance? I think there was also something wrong with the sounds. Like, I, it, it sounded like he was using AIM. But AIM didn't exist in 94. AIM didn't exist until I think 2000, like close to 2000, because he would have just been on AOL, I think. Yeah. Uh, would have been ICQ? Would ICQ have been? That was not the ICQ window. Okay. Well, yeah. no, I knew it wasn't the ICQ window, but I was wondering on the sounds and stuff like that. that- no, the ICQ sounds were um, cutesier. It, it, I mean, it was definitely AOL based, but it, it felt like a mishmash of AOL moments. Yeah. It was like, um, it's a little bit reminiscent of uh, It Follows. All of the technology in It Follows is weird and a little bit wrong. Like none of it quite exists. And I think I read somewhere that they did that on purpose. Like one of the characters is using this weird shell phone thing. And I don't know what the fuck it is, but that's not a thing that lives in the world. Um, so yeah, and I just with this, with like the detail to the bread slicer being like, we we need to see if a watermelon will go through this. It just it makes me wonder if this is on purpose or if it's just they're going for the idea of the ninety of nineteen ninety four more than the reality of nineteen ninety four. I'm really curious about what could possibly the font have anything to do with like I don't know <laughs> if that is a thing like I really need to know I just I think we'll get the answer in the in the next two movies of whether mm-hmm. it's important or not I just want to say I'm legitimately upset that there's only two more movies of this I want a whole MCU of this shit I want 10 more years of this hey if it's successful there might be yeah just start dipping back into into those books I mean we had how many fear street books I mean hello go I, I'm not using Google anymore. I'm using DuckDuckGo, but hello, DuckDuck. Tell me how many Fear Street books? Oh, only 17. What? Okay, no. Okay, Amazon says there's only 17, but Wikipedia, who I guess I trust more than Jeff Bezos. That doesn't seem right. Um, says that there are 51. Oh, but there's also the new Fear Street books, of which there are four. And then there's the Fear Street novels, which were published in September 2014. And there were, why aren't these numbered? One, two, three, four, five, six of those. 
and return to Fear Street, of which there are three, and then the Fear Street Super Chillers, of which there are 13. Well done, R.L. Stein. Well done. And then the Fear Street Cheerleaders, of which there are five. Fear Street Saga, which I think covers the um, Sarah Good versus Fear. Nora Fear? What the fuck is her name? Sarah. Sarah Fear? Sarah Fear. Well, then who the fuck is, what the fuck is Good's first name? They can't both be Sarah. Um, and then there's 999 Fear Street, The House of Evil, three books. And then Fear Street, The Cataluna Chronicles, three books. And then Fear Street, Fear Park, three books. And then The Ghosts of Fear Street, uh, 36 books. And then Fear Street Sagas, which I guess is different than The Fear Street Saga, 18 books. And then Fear Street Seniors, 12 books. And Fear Street Knights, three books. Let's get into the Fast and Furious uh numbering here with these these fear street books when you said fear street seniors for some reason my mind went to like when everybody's old (laughs) (laughs) it's the nursing home on fear street okay but legitimately can somebody write that now all right i I nominate you we need the golden girls of fear street mashup dude (laughs) all right so what's our quote our quote, I have our quote, which is, seems like you got a little witch in you. Mm. I tried to add a little, a little spice to it, make it seem real raw. I don't know if it worked or not. I see. Uh, I have our rule, which actually is kind of funny. We don't have one yet because we don't know how you're going to survive because we're going to find out. Because there's two more installments. There's two more installments. So stay tuned. Oh, I wanted to add one more thing. Um, I believe that whatever they're doing, like, I don't think Sunnyvale existed in the Fear Street novels. Oh. I don't remember Sunnyvale. I just remember Shadyside. And so whatever they're doing with Sunnyvale and Shadyside, I'm a fan of it. I, I really like the, the, I wanted to, I forgot that I wanted to mention that tracking shot that they did, the establishing shot when the when the band bus is driving out of Shadyside and it's showing you all of these, like, the small farmhouses, the closed shops, the rundown roads, the overgrown areas. And then you get into Sunnyvale and you see the big houses and the huge, like nice areas, the well-manicured stuff. Um, and all of the, like, I think there was a paper at the, like in the opening credits that said something like shady siders have no desire to better themselves. I love the way that they were standing up this prosperous town versus this struggling town and showing how easy it is to come up with all of these reasons for this struggling town to be bad. Mm-hmm. When none you of which zoom, have to do with none of which witch. exact. Well, well, yeah, none of them <laughs> having to do anything with a witch. And also when you zoom in on these characters, you see characters like Simon, who is just trying, like, who is exactly what people are told you're supposed to be. You need to be a hard worker. You need to pull yourself up. He is doing everything right. And he's still fucked because of where he was born. Mm-hmm. And I just, I am, I, I appreciate that commentary. So thank you, Lee, last name. I, I don't know why those two vowels next to each other are fucking with me, but I just can't deal with it right now. All right. So that was, that, that was, that, that was it. I think I'm, I think I'm done now. All right. Well, actually you have our, our poll. So they 
decide to try to save Sarah and they, Sarah, God damn it. Why do I keep doing that? I just want somebody's name to be Sarah. Uh, they decide to try to save Sam. To it's a good name. It's a good name as established name. by Jefferson airplane starship starship. I think they were just starship <laughs> at the time. Um, so they like put her blood on their shirt to detract, to distract the killers while they kill Sam. Um, and ultimately what this ends up meaning is that they traded two lives for one. Would you do that? Was it worth it? I don't know if we can answer that because we don't know yet because we don't know how this is going to end. Um, I don't think I would. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I think you, I think there needs to be more con. I mean, not more con more context is the wrong word there. Who is the one you're trading it for? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like I, you want to, you're wanting to put a value on the lives, right? Like yeah. is Sam's life worth Simon's yeah. and Kate? And I'm sure that the Sunnyvale people would say that it is because she lives in Sunnyvale now. Right. Well, and also um, Simon is supporting his whole family. So by him being gone, you're also affecting additional lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not just two lives. Like it's, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know. So, I mean, from a purely pragmatic point of view, of course not. Of course you don't trade two for one. Um, however, it's not like anybody said here, take Simon and Kate and we'll keep Sam. I mean, I think everyone went into that assuming that everyone was going to escape it with their lives. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't a deliberate trade. It's just what happened. Um, however, Kate, yeah, I have a lot of howevers. I'm, I'm on my third or fourth other hand now. Um, <laughs> Kate even said you were willing to sacrifice your life for ours. So, you know, so Kate appeared to be willing to risk risk making that trade. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't know. As soon like when Kate died, I was like, fuck. But when Simon died, I was like, shit, that's two. <laughs> like, the, the, the scales are no longer balanced. And I don't, I don't really know either what I would do. Um, we may, we may need to revisit this question in one yeah. of the next installments. <laughs> I thought whenever, uh, Dina put the, bloody x on josh's shirt it looked like she had been careful to put it on his overshirt so he could take it off if he needed to so when nobody did that now i realize that simon was not wearing a lot of clothes <laughs> um, but when nobody did that when nobody took off the bloody shirt i was like the fuck are you guys doing you're in a bad situation just shed the skin and come back to it later if you need to I had the same thought when Kate was hiding behind the counter. It's like, just take off the damn shirt and throw it over there. We have already seen that these killers will be distracted by the blood. We know that to be true. Take off your shirt, throw it over there. We've already yeah. seen you in a bra. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, also backing up real quick. I do also appreciate how they lived up to the tropes of horror movies. We need to see some tits, not full on naked tits, but we got a bra shot. That's fine. And we need sex scenes in a horror movie. Like these are 90s staples of horror movies. So mm -hmm. A plus. <laughs> I was right. cracking up when Josh did the Konami code going into the bathroom. Right. <laughs> 
that that seemed to be his think about baseball right strategy all right do we have anything else on this no i have a lot more than i thought i would so <laughs> i thought i was just going to be like i like it and that was going to be the end but i i, I just appreciate this quite but a bit simon existed and and simon I love him. He was pretty awesome. All right. Well, I, like, I am legitimately excited to go watch this movie again. <laughs> By the way, when we looked up Fred Hershinger, um, it said that he has leading roles in the Fear Street trilogy. Leading roles <gasps> in the Fear Street trilogy. Yes. So I have high hopes that we will see him. Good, good. All right. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We do appreciate your support. Uh, as always, you can find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Beyond the Cabin in the Woods. We're on Twitter at Beyond Cabin. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram under at Callista77. Debbie, where can they find you and our Instagram? Um, the Instagram is at Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, and I run it, so you can find me there. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at Dragon Goblin. There's no I in Goblin, just Dragon Goblin. I'm not real active on either, but I'm there. I'm on Twitter as Junkyard Poet. That's about it. All right. And as always, a special shout out and thank you to our editor, Billy, for making us sound awesome. We appreciate you. We love you, Billy. Donna, are you going to say don't read the Latin before I hit stop recording? Don't read the Latin. I want you to leave all of that in. Distracted. (laughs) I'm sorry. You know what horror is. Gumby Cat Productions. Podcasts from podcast people. Meow. Meow.